0: Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels.
1: Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about something that is probably going to impact most of you in the next few months if you're listening to this in November or December, and that are lots of family gatherings. So this is the holiday season. Somebody from the private Facebook group asked me if I could talk about how to help anxious kids survive the holidays. (laughs) It's a topic I cover every single year, and it's a great topic to go into to just give you some pointers to make family gatherings better. I will have episodes in the next few weeks talking about how to handle the holidays in general. There's lots of specific topics um, around Christmas, Christmas day, or, or whatever you celebrate, you know, when there's a lot of anticipation and we'll go into all that in future episodes. This one is very particular and it's about how to survive gatherings, family gatherings or gatherings with your friends, those big parties that your kids are going to be dragged to. They don't always do well at those and relatives who mean well, but they say things that don't go down well. We're going to talk about that and just how to help kids in general. So I'm gonna go over various things that can impact an anxious kid, and some may or may not relate to your child, and some might be like the core issue that you're dealing with. So hang in there. We're gonna go through all the ones I can possibly think of, and I'm gonna give you some very practical ideas and solutions that you can kind of have on your radar. Okay, so let's get into it. So the first thing you want to do that is going to seem obvious. And most of what I'm going to tell you as always will be very intuitive, um, not earth shattering, but I feel like it's my job in your journey to bring some suggestions and things that you may not think about. And so I'm just highlighting them. The first thing you want to do is definitely preview what's going to be happening. So if you have a lot of family gatherings happening in the next few months, You might want to get a calendar if you don't have one already and calendars can be your friend for anxious kids. It depends on your child because some of them will obsess about the calendar (laughs) so that that child's not going to be a calendar friendly person, but a lot of anxious kids really like calendars. It helps get them prepared because as an anxious person, and even if you're an anxious adult, you can recognize this. The more you have time to prepare for things, the better. I've had a lot of parents in my practice tell me, you know, we, and this is a very specific conversation, but yet I've had many families actually tell me this exact story. They'll say, you know, we woke the kids up and we were gonna surprise them and go to Disneyland. Now I'm in Arizona, so Disneyland is a drive away. It's like a six hour drive from where I am. So that's why I'm hearing this story a lot because it's very, it's very easy to just get over to Disneyland. And so the parents will say, we thought it was going to be the best surprise ever, especially like it's a Christmas gift. The kids are going to wake up Christmas morning. We're going to give them the surprise of going to Disneyland. We're going to just, the car will already be packed up and we're going to head over to the happiest place on earth. And it was not the happiest place on earth. My kid cried the entire way there and did not have fun and blah, blah, blah. The reason why is because anxious kids need to prepare for anything, good, bad or ugly, they need to prepare. So, um I'm like that. I am a total preparer, and even though I've crushed my social anxiety, I am still like organically an anxious person. <laughs> it's like it's in my DNA. And so, you know, preparing, making lists, looking at my calendar. I mean, I spend a lot of time just sitting there looking at my calendar and organizing things, and it it brings peace to my world because I'm like, yep, it's all organized, it's all there. So, Little people are like that too. So let them know if you have a lot of events going on, do the calendar thing. If you just have one big family gathering that's happening, you want to let them know. So for example, we are going to a big family gathering next week. And so I've already told my kids, this is what's going to be happening. We're going to be going. It's in, it's in seven days. And then as we get closer, I'll be like, in five days, we're going. In four days, we're going. Um, this is what it's going to look like. And I have a big calendar in my kitchen and I don't really think my kids look at it that much. It's actually for my own sanity, but it, it clearly says the day that we're going. So you want to let your kids know what's going to be happening when it's going to be happening, what it will look like. And if you can get even more detailed and say, we're going to be leaving at, you know, 8am it's a two hour drive. And then we're going to get there. And we're going to stay there until the night. And then we're going to drive back very late into the night. You'll be sleeping. Um, That's just a very specific example, but give them as much detail as possible. That will help. So that's tip number one, prepare, prepare, prepare. So then you want to ask yourself what typically triggers your kids, because you can do some proactive planning so that it doesn't happen. Now let's talk about the child that gets overstimulated by too much social interaction and too much social contact that, that can be overwhelming. So family gatherings for a child like that can be way too much. Maybe they max out after an hour and you're there for like seven hours. And so your kid for six hours is not doing okay. So you want to just sit and think about it. What, what tends to be the biggest issue at family gatherings Are there any? There probably are if you're listening to this. So think about your child's behavior and what your child's behavior is telling you. Um, Are they asking you to go? Are they nagging you? Are they not letting you talk to adults? Are they um, being rude to the adults around them? So here are some ways to help with that. If your child has headphones or an iPad, now I know that can seem very antisocial, but You want to have some tools or some methods to have your child be able to reset in a different environment. So if you're not at your house, that makes it even harder. So if your child is into reading, you know, bring, bring a book if they are into digital stuff. And I know that a lot of times parents are like, you know what, we're at a party and I don't want my kid to be antisocial. I don't want my kid to be, you know, over there in a corner playing a video game on their iPad And that may not be appropriate, but you want, you want your child who is either an introvert or has social anxiety, or just has some sensory issues and gets overwhelmed. They need a place to recharge. Think about it like a cell phone and your cell phone has a pretty low battery already. And you're going out and you're traveling and maybe you are at the airport and there is only like two seats with a charging station and you run over to those two seats and you plug your phone in wherever you can to get it to be recharged so that you have more battery while you continue your travels. Kids are like that. Well, people are like that, whether you're introverted or you have social anxiety, your charge is pretty low and it's going to drain really fast. Around a lot of people who are coming at you. Hello, I haven't seen you for so long. How's school? Oh, wow, you're so big now. What's been happening? They're gonna be getting depleted really fast because they're gonna be approached by a lot of people in one short period of time. So they need a charging station. So, whatever that is for your kid and whatever philosophically you're okay with parentally, you need to do that. So sometimes it's finding a quiet place. So, my kids tend to not have this issue too much, but they love people and they get energized by people. So this is not my own personal struggle, but a lot of the families I work with definitely struggle with this. So if you're going to someone else's house and you know, you're know you close to them, you might say, is there a private place or like a quiet place? Maybe I can put Johnny when he gets really overwhelmed because sometimes like it's just too much. And then you kind of plan it, ahead of time. And then you tell your son, we're going to just call him Johnny for some reason. Hey, Johnny, there's this like, see this quiet room over here. If you get tired, or if you just want some quiet time, you can go in this quiet room and here are your headphones, or here's your book, or here's your iPad, whatever you're comfortable with. And you can just sit in here for a while. So I know that may not be practical or possible for all of you or for whatever house you're in, but that's just one tip. And if you have your own house, you can have a quiet space. Even if it has to be like, hey, you can go into my closet. We'll get the bean bag. We'll put it in the closet. No one will know you're there. If you need some time alone, or you can lock my bedroom door, feel free to go in there. I get that sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. And so you might want to go in there. And if you see your child getting overwhelmed while you're there, you can even go up to them and you can say, do you want to go into a quiet, your quiet spot for right now? Cause they may not phys- physically realize that they're needing to reset. And sometimes that need will turn into crying or meltdowns or aggression, all sorts of stuff, depending on what is going on and how your child kind of manifests their struggles. Okay. So that's, that's the overstimulated child. then we have our child who has food issues, maybe the same child, maybe not, but let's say you're going to, um, Thanksgiving dinner, if you live in the States and you know, your kid is super picky and you're going to be there for eight, nine hours and your kid's not going to eat any of their food. I think it's perfectly okay to bring your own go-to food because your child is going to get really, really irritated because they're hungry. The food's all going to be gross, fancy stuff, or it depends on your family. But it may be food that they can't eat. So if you want to bring some of the food that you know they're going to eat, that will save you a lot of time and, and struggle. Because sometimes kids act out because they get hungry and they're frustrated. The food's all disgusting. So don't be afraid of doing that. And yeah, people might be like, "Ugh," and this is maybe this will move into another topic. But you know, your family and friends may not understand your struggles, and more often than not, they're not going to get it. So you might have to, and I do have a podcast episode on, um, when, when people don't understand anxiety or when your family and friends don't understand anxiety. And I have one for OCD as well. And I can link that in the show notes because that might be a good one to have. If you get really overwhelmed and you're like, yeah, you know, he's got anxiety. And I know that a lot of people don't understand it. And here's a podcast episode. You can listen to It's really, really helpful. It can explain it. So you can have that in your little pocket there metaphorically, but we do have to get over what other people think. And I'm going to, I should do a whole episode just on, on that shift, especially around the holidays. I've got to take notes and make sure to cover all these topics, but I think it it comes to us getting comfortable with having a child with anxiety and saying, people are not going to understand that and it's okay. They don't have to understand that. I don't need their approval for me to parent in a certain way. And they are going to maybe say I'm coddling or he's spoiled, or he just needs a good, you know, firm kick in the butt. It doesn't matter. Okay. That just comes from ignorance and you don't need to convince people that you're a good parent because you know, you're a good parent. You know, your child struggles because most kids Don't show their struggles to other people, even other relatives. So they don't know what they're talking about. So part of that is some internal dialogue that you're going to have to do before you go out and have, you know, these gatherings where people are not going to get your kid, especially if you're doing some, what they might consider coddling, you know, Oh, your kid has to sit in a bean bag in the closet and reset. What's that about? Who cares, you know, or, Oh, you have to bring a bag of goldfish, you know, to this Thanksgiving dinner. What's that about? Um, it doesn't matter. It's, it's what he likes. I think it's really hard. And I get this because I've had social anxiety. It's really hard to, to get to a place where you can get non-emotional about stupid comments, (laughs) but when you get there, it's a beautiful thing because no one can rock your world. You're like, I'm already anticipating that you're not going to get this. And so we're good because yeah, I expected you to make that comment and it's fine. As long as you don't impact what I'm doing with my kid and stay out of my way, you stay in your lane. I'll stay in my lane and we're good. So people don't mean to be ignorant. They just are. And that's, that's their deal, not your deal. Okay. So off my soapbox moving on. So that's food. So plan ahead. Um, You know, in, in my worst days with my son and his food issues, when we traveled, I had go-to food that was non-perishable in my purse at all times. There were protein bars that I knew he would eat. I had them in my purse. So, and there were times when we traveled and that was what he survived on. Like he would eat whatever was in my purse. So you do what you need to do. Okay. Another issue that tends to come up is forced socialization. So this kind of goes back to our introverted or socially anxious kid. We don't want to force our kids to interact to the level that makes us comfortable. So forcing kids to go and hug relatives, I think can really trigger a lot of anxious kids and you can be polite and not be forced to hug people. So I am a big proponent of not forcing our kids to hug relatives or friends, you know, go over there and hug your aunt Mildred go ahead, give her a tight hug. No, you don't have to do that. But we want to teach our kids to be polite. And so we might, we might prompt them before we even go to dinner or wherever the gathering and say, look, you don't have to hug people and you don't have to have long conversations with people, but please be polite and just say, hi, give them eye contact and say hi. And you can ask them how they're doing and maybe role play it. If you have a child who has some really difficult social interaction issues, then role-play it. Like people are going to say, how's school? And this is what you can say. School is going good. Thank you. And then you can walk away. So we want to maybe role-play for some kids who really struggle with that. And we also want to explain the, the expectations before we get there. So we just say, it's polite to smile. It's polite to say, how are you? You don't have to hug people. And I don't think kids have to sit there you know, forever having conversations with people they don't want to talk to, that is okay. And even if they don't want to play with their cousins or the other friends that are there, that is okay too. Let them be them. And, and it goes back to us also not worrying about what people think. So, you know, comments like you're making me look bad or that's embarrassing me. It's not about us, it's about them. So, and you're a separate entity from your child. Yes, they are our responsibility, but they're also their own people. And their behavior does not directly reflect on us, even though we like to think that it does, they are unique and we're not puppet masters. Yeah. We're teaching them good manners and we're teaching them all sorts of stuff and we're planting seeds, but they're also their own person. So we want to respect that. And we don't want to force socialization. We just want to teach them manners and being polite. Okay. So up next, I'm going to talk to you about how to talk to your family and friends about your kids and what you can do to maybe prepare them. Stay tuned. That's what's up next. This episode is brought to you by a new marriage counseling app called lasting. I know a lot of us struggle with our partners and having a child with anxiety or OCD does not make that easier with this app. You can try to work on those issues with your partner. Even if you just have five minutes a day, and even if they're not even in the same state, even if they're on a business trip, you can still use the app together. Lasting is based on research and science, and it fits into a busy schedule. And if you're one of my listeners, you can unlock the entire app and get your first month of lasting premium for just 99 cents. So you can always download the app for free on iTunes or to get this special deal Go to getlasting.com slash A-T, that's G-E-T-L-A-S-T-I-N-G dot com slash A-T, and use the offer code A-T at checkout and get your first month for just 99 cents. You're listening to the A-T Parenting Survival Podcast from parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Okay, welcome back. So we talked a lot about what you can do for your kids, some basic stuff that maybe you're already thinking about, some things that maybe you hadn't thought about. And we're going to prepare your kid, let them know exactly what's happening. Let them know the schedule, um, let them know when you're going to be leaving and stick with it and give them maybe an estimated time, all that stuff. Right. We talked about giving them a place to reset. We talked about headphones. We talked about food. We talked about forced socialization all on them. Right now. What do we do with those relatives? (laughs) Now, if your child is having a major problem let's say you're in the throes of some pretty big stuff, whether they have severe anxiety. And so they might have panic attacks while they're there, or they have severe OCD issues. And so they might be doing compulsions that might make people uncomfortable. If you think that your child has something going on that is going to be very noticeable, or you think that there are certain things that will trigger them and you really aren't into doing exposures in front of a million people, then you might want to reach out to your family or friends and let them know before you go. So that will be different for each one of you, depending on what you're dealing with, but there is some proactive relief in preparing your family for whatever they might see. If they haven't been around your children in a while or, um, they don't understand them or the issues are new. So that that's up to you. I do feel like it's helpful. If you give them a heads up now, you, you, some of you might have family or friends where you're like, Oh, they just won't get it. They're going to be judgmental. It's not worth it. And that's fine. Cause every family is so uniquely different, but I'll give you an example. If I were to have family come and visit me, I would tell them, If they were going to stay at my house, I would tell them, I would say, look right now, my Mr. Nine, he's having some eating issues. Now this is, um, we're trying to move away from this, but if, if they were to have come like two months ago, I'd say he's having eating issues. He has a lot of OCD thoughts around food. We don't have to go into it, but he gets very overwhelmed when he's eating. And so right now, even though it's not ideal and it's really not what we want, I do let him sit at the kitchen counter And he eats his food while watching his iPad because it gets his mind off of it. So that's, what's happening with that. Now I wouldn't have to necessarily explain that to them, but I'm basically, I'm being proactive for all those comments of, oh my gosh, you just let your kids sit there and watch their iPad while they're eating. Like what kind of parent are you now? I could be like, I don't care what you think. So I don't even have to explain it. But if it was making me uncomfortable and someone was going to stay at my house, I might say that. Or I might say something like, you know, all the kids are working on their anxiety. And so once in a while, they're going to be afraid. Actually, I did. I remember saying this to somebody who was staying at our house last year. And I said, the kids are all working on their anxiety. And so sometimes they're going to be afraid to do something. And instead of getting up and doing it for them, we encourage them to fight their fears. And we have a challenge prize box. And so if the kids are afraid to do something, please don't just get up and do it for them you can have them come to me and you might hear me talk like, hey, we have a challenge, do you wanna do a challenge? And they might go do something because we're fighting our fears and I'm not being cruel, this is part of our approach for anxiety. So I might explain that to a person who's staying at my house because I don't wanna stop doing that for a few days because somebody's here. So those are the kind of things that you might discuss with relatives or if you are bringing special food for your child because they're really picky and Thanksgiving dinner isn't the time where you're gonna to try to expose them to new foods, especially weird foods. Then you might, you know, contact your relative who's having the dinner and say, hey, I just want you to know that, you know, Sarah has a lot of food issues right now and she's got a lot of anxiety around it and we're working on it. But I want her to have a great time at dinner and I don't want it to be a big deal. So I'm gonna be packing her some small little things that I know she'll eat just so that she can have a good time too. So now it's not awkward when I whip out my goldfish or I whip out my chicken nuggets or whatever the go-to food happens to be. I'm not going to be insulting the host and she already knows about it. So reaching out to relatives and friends and letting them know whatever accommodations you're going to be doing can help. It might make you feel more comfortable. Or if you talk to the host and you say, Hey, you know, Johnny gets really overwhelmed and um, you know, crowds and overstimulation tend to kind of make him implode or explode. So would you mind if I brought him some headphones and can I find a quiet place in your house where he can reset whenever he needs to? And, you know, typically the answer is going to be, Oh, of course, absolutely. How can I help? So you want to think now those are very specific examples to, those issues, your child might have some completely different issues. They might have some OCD compulsions that might be embarrassing that people don't know about. Um, or they might be having an anxiety theme that I didn't touch on, but overall the approach is the same. It's tapping into what's the biggest struggle with your child being there and trying to be proactive and thinking of some skills and tools and coping mechanisms to help them while you're there. And then it's also notifying the people that are there, what issues you might be having, because that can help circumvent any embarrassment or concern that you might have about doing something to help your child cope. If that makes sense, because family gatherings can be really fun. If you teach your child ways to survive and cope them. So I hope that helps a little bit. Um, and I hope that your family gatherings are fun and exciting and your kids have a great time because that is what life is all about. If you have a topic that you want me to cover, I am actually very accessible. If you join my private Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash 80 parenting, anxious kids, that's my private Facebook group and tag me in the group. I will respond. Um, That's how I get all these wonderful podcast episodes that are very relevant and something that maybe you're looking for. So do that. And if you're enjoying my podcast, don't forget to leave a star, hit a star on iTunes right below the name of the podcast. There are these stars and you can just hit one and that submits a review. And I greatly appreciate that. If you have 10 seconds, you can leave me a review and I like to give a shout out to those that do bother to leave a review because I greatly appreciate it. And I like to end the show with the latest review that I see. So Albie wrote, my wife put me onto these, and I'm so glad we started listening. Natasha's examples are completely in line with the issues we're having with our daughter. We have a completely new perspective on things and now see why the approach we had been taking was not working. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you, Albie. I'm so glad your wife turned you onto my podcast. It's nice to see a dad listening to this. And I really appreciate you taking the time to leave a review. If you have something you want to say, you can leave it on iTunes and I might be reading your review next time. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care.
0: When I first discovered Natasha, I was in a desperate place with my son and his anxiety was getting worse and we had tried counseling and it was not going well. Natasha gave us practical tools. She wasn't like the books that we had read that were, you know, you have three kids, but somehow you can magically spend 10 hours a day on your one anxious kid and just, you know, life is great for the other two. She's helped me understand OCD on a level that no therapist, I have come across seems to understand. Natasha had practical, real-life advice that we started implementing the day that we listened to them. Not only did it help with our son's anxiety, it helped my husband and I to recognize the anxiety that we had in our parenting that was actually contributing to our children's anxiety. Had tools are, I mean, life-changing. She has been amazing, and I'm so thankful for the work that she provides to all of us who have children um, who battle anxiety and OCD. It is so exciting to see him About a year later, she's thriving in school. She really has guided us the whole way, and without her, our lives would be very different. We're very grateful. My husband and I are forever grateful to Natasha Daniels for helping us to figure out where to even start with anxiety. If you have a child with anxiety or OCD, she is your go-to woman. Parenting a child with anxiety is not easy, and sometimes it feels hopeless, and um, In a desperate time in my journey with my son, I started searching the internet and found Natasha Daniels. She has been a lifesaver. Her resources have given me hope. They've given me tools and support, and I I highly recommend her and her resources. They are phenomenal, and they're some of the best resources you can find out there for anxiety and OCD.
1: Parenting a child with anxiety and OCD can be a confusing and lonely journey. It can leave you feeling hopeless and overwhelmed, but it doesn't have to be that way. Join me this January as I begin a new adventure, forming a new community where I'll be walking with you, supporting you and building your skills and confidence to help your child not only survive, but thrive. I will get to know you and your family on a deeper, more personal level, I'll be able to give you guidance based on your needs and your situation. I hope you'll join me in this next chapter and see where it can bring you and your family. We don't get to choose if our child has anxiety or OCD, but we can choose what we do about it. To learn more about the AT Parenting Community, go to anxioustoddlers.com community, Or get on the wait list to join by texting AT Parent with no space to 44222. Together we can do this.
0: She's really good, and I hope I'll be like her. I have had OCD for. Over five years, I have trained my brain, and you can do the same thing.